This is Suit Up, conversations with people in the sports world about their faith. Now here's your host, Kevin Warren. It's been an amazing basketball life for Lou Dawkins, an All-State player as a high schooler in Michigan, an important part of the University of Tulsa's NCAA tournament Sweet 16 run in 1994, the high school coach of an NBA All-Star, Draymond Green, in winning state championships, to losing a teenage basketball prodigy's son to a heart condition, and having another son in the middle of an FBI investigation connected to college basketball, Lou has seen basketball mountaintops in the deepest of those valleys. And in the middle of it all, his relationship with Christ. Lou talks about all of it. I started by asking about growing up a Dawkins in Saginaw. Uh, okay, sounds great. Uh, myself and two older brothers, uh, but my the Dawkins family in general uh, is just basketball-oriented uh, and football. In, in your family, with with your children, uh, football may have been an option and, and may have played it, but the, the end road was basketball, right? Yes, sir. From the time I, my, my, all my kids, including my daughter, were able to walk, I had them on the basketball court. You know, because one thing uh, as a coach, and when you have kids uh, at the varsity level or even college, you you have to do everything in your power to make sure that your kids can play basketball uh, because uh, their peers can be cruel. Uh, you're just on the basketball because your dad's the coach. Uh, so I made sure uh, – with no doubt in anyone's mind, when my sons played for me, they were they were they were very talented. Hey, let me go back, uh, Lou, to uh, growing up in uh, the Dawkins household uh, in Saginaw. Was it a was it a Christian household? Did you go to church on a regular basis? Yes, sir. Uh, my parents are from Louisville, Mississippi. Uh, born and raised, they moved to to Saginaw, Michigan, because of General Motors and uh, early early 70s uh, uh, in neighborhoods in which we grew up in in Saginaw was very tough and rough so I think my parents did they make sure they make sure that all three of their sons are in church uh, every Sunday so that trickled down to, to my immediate family in church every Sunday every one of my kids and myself and my wife has been baptized you know because we know all through aspects of life you can't do anything without Jesus Christ uh, and we're our strong believer uh and uh, my kids are, you know, uh, I went through a time in my life in which I had lost my faith because my son had passed away. But we are a Christian family. Uh, and I try to I try to you bring that over to my basketball team and my basketball players, because without 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 Jesus, you can't do anything. I'm going to go back here in a minute and revisit that uh, regarding Dorian. But well, let's go back to. You know, playing basketball in high school in Saginaw, were you a Mister uh, Basketball in the state of Michigan? Kevin, honestly, uh, I was. I finished uh, number six in the running for Mister Basketball. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was a top hundred player in the country, uh, first team all state, class A, highest classification in the state of Michigan. Had numerous Division one offers, but in the city of Saginaw, you know, you have to be. You have to be competitive. Let me ask you about that. You mentioned a variety of offers uh, to play college basketball. You landed at Tulsa playing for Tubby Smith. How did that come about? Well, I actually played my first year and a half with J.D. Barnett. I think Coach Tubby came in 91. Uh, 
in '91, the 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 winter, I was going, I was going to the NBA. I had, I had my mind set up. Uh, let me backtrack a little bit. I had the, I had the University of Iowa. I would say uh, almost everyone in the Big Ten after me. And so when I made my visit, uh, I just fell in love. Uh, I didn't want to go to a, a, a city such as Iowa State, was surrounded by a lot of crops. Uh, because I was a city boy, so when I flew into Tulsa, I just fell in love with the city. And uh, JD convinced me to play, come play for him. The year that uh, Coach Barnett got fired, I actually got hurt at, uh, at uh, Oklahoma State, probably our biggest rivalry. So it was right before halftime. Uh, you know, I looked over the bench, and the coach said, Lou, one shot, and I, and I just waved him off because I, I, I was in a zone at the time. And uh, that 17 seconds changed the course of my life because I actually tore my ACL up in that 17 seconds right before halftime. Wow. There's an iconic picture of you uh, knocking down the three-point shot that uh, beat Oklahoma State in the 1994 NCAA tournament in Oklahoma City at the old Myriad uh, to propel you guys into the Sweet 16. Uh, It's interesting because I was there uh, covering that event as a member of the media. Did you play UCLA in round one? Play UCLA in round one. Uh, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they had seven pros on their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big, uh, Big George Zedek, seven-footer Sean Tauber was a shooting guard. Tyus Edney, and then they had the old Bannon brothers. Very, 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 very uh, great team early in the year. They're uh, number one team in the country. And uh, they came out and took us lightly. I remember... Uh, uh, like it was yesterday when we came on the layup line, they were actually laughing at us. I think at the ten minute mark, I hit a, I hit a jump shot at the ten minute mark, mid range jumper. Like up at the clock, I think the score was forty nine to sixteen. I'm going to ask you this too, uh, Lou, because uh, when you look back, and this is kind of the way it it uh, works sometimes. Uh, when you look back and you're you're thinking, you know, well, where where was God moving in my life? To think that you went to Tulsa for basketball, when you look back at what happened, right, it really wasn't basketball that you went to Tulsa for, right? It was your future wife. During that time, um, um, my wife attended uh, Langston University, uh, close to Oklahoma State, and uh, I wasn't a, I wasn't a club guy, I wasn't a party animal, you know, uh, like some of the guys on the basketball team. So that's that uh. I actually stayed in my apartment on the weekends, every weekend my freshman year. So that summer, uh, my roommate uh, actually went to the club and met this, met my wife's, my future wife's friend. And they came over the next day, and that's how I met my wife. <laughs> we graduated in May of 94, and 30 days later, uh, uh, in June, we got married June 11th. Now, was that... In uh, Muskogee, where she's from? Yep, she's from Muskogee. We got married at 23 years of age with no money. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, going into my senior year that summer. I had skipped out on work. I had like I was sick, and me and my good friend, Doug, and I uh, went to the pawn shop, and I bought her engagement ring for $150. And uh, that was all the money I had in the world. And I proposed to her later later that afternoon. <laughs> you start your coaching career, uh, but it wasn't on the high school level, right? 
and I uh, had a uh, eight and under, in which my son Christian and uh, Dorian was playing playing on, and then I started a ten and under, I believe, or eleven and under, in which I uh, saw this big kid walking down the street. He may have been six foot two at eleven years old. <laughs> and, uh, that was Draymond Green. So in 2005, Draymond and them uh, became freshmen in high, in the high school, and my coach Marshall Thomas knew I had been coaching. So when he actually told me that fall before season even started that he was going to step down and give me the reins of the program. And uh, so in 2005, I became the varsity coach, uh, and my, my first team was really, really, really good. So it it was a process. What was it like uh, coaching Draymond Green in high school? Did he have similar temperament then that he does now? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he always played with the same fire that he's, doing, that he's playing with now because he, that separates him from, from the other players. Draymond is only six foot six, but he has a long, long wingspan, probably of a seven foot two center. And that's how he could be the defensive monster that he is uh, during the basketball court today. The one thing that I could do, what I had to learn, I had to learn how to coach him. If I shoot him out in front of people, he would really take that personal. And uh, I would lose him for that entire rest of the day for the practice. So I learned how to, if I had to shoot him out, uh, I would take him to the side and shoot him out and tell him what I needed him to do. Uh, because if, if I shoot him out in front of people, he, he felt embarrassed. So I, he actually taught me how to coach him. When I pulled him to the side, and after I shoot him out, I told him what I wanted. He's like, Coach, I got you. He led us to one of the to be one of the best teams in America in 2007 and 2008. Lou, I want to go back to uh, the summer of 2009. You had mentioned about your son Dorian and and uh, perhaps biggest shake in your faith that you have encountered. Tell me about getting that phone call about Dorian collapsing while at basketball camp. So his first game of his eighth grade year, I was not able to attend because he had a game later on that night. I was also my school's high school athletic director. And, uh, all the fans came rushing over to our game. They was like, Coach, you won't believe what Dorian did tonight. And he didn't play the fourth quarter. He had 46 points and around 20 assists. And I was like, y'all get out of here. Y'all, you know, <laughs> there's nobody, nobody isn't doing that. But when the grown people came, came in there and started telling me, I knew it was the truth. Uh, so I, you know, he was on the AAU circuit, 14. Actually, he, he was he was just too good to play, so I bumped him up to my sixteen and under. So we had played three games earlier that evening, earlier that day, and we were not pegged to play a fourth game. So uh is on them wanted to see uh Dorian play against Cha Cha. But I had to go home and leave my team and my sons there on campus. So I was, the next day I was in a wedding, so I had to go home and get groomed up for the wedding. And uh, right before I left, Dorian came over with his uh, headphones on and his slides because uh, he was a funny, funny kid, man. So he came up, and I had to give my son some, some money. 
I can't leave my kids out uh, in a different city without any money. So I came up and I said, Dorian, uh, this this is $50, 25 for yourself and 25 for for Christian. And he looked at me and smiled, and I said, boy, give your brother, <laughs> give your brother this $25. So I knew he was going to keep the money. And so I drove home and had a, had a flip cell phone time uh, that was broken. That week was so crazy, Kevin. Uh, my brakes had went out on my truck. So my wife had my, uh, my wife was across town at the mall with a couple of cheerleaders because she was the cheerleading coach as well. So my house phone rang. It was just ringing, ringing 20, 25 times. I didn't have an answering machine. So with this ringing so much, I'm thinking it's a bill collector. Uh, so the phone just kept ringing. I finally picked it up, and Kevin, the the, the voice that I heard in the, on the other side of that phone, it was my wife, Chili. They had contacted uh, my wife uh, because, again, my cell phone was broken. And the scream that uh, I heard my cheerleader on the other side of that phone, it was devastating. So I actually ran outside in the middle of the street with no vehicle, didn't know what I was doing. And my assistant coach, uh, I actually lived down the street from my house, but he had my team up in East Lansing. So I saw his brother coming home, coming to his house, and I ran down the street, and his name was Rob, Robert. And I said, Rob, and I said, man, call, call Coach Julian, which, which is his brother, my assistant coach. I said, call, call Julian, something's wrong with Didi. That's what we call him, Didi, Ice Cream, uh, Future. He has so many different nicknames. And, uh, Julian picked up instantly, and he's like, he was like, Lou, you got to get here. Dorian, Dorian has passed out, and I just, I just fell to my knees. I, I think I may have passed out. So I finally got up after a couple minutes and ran back to my house, still waiting, still in the middle of the street, waiting for my wife to come home. So she finally came home. I jumped in the driver's seat. Greg, it's, it's probably, Saginaw is probably 60, 55, 60 miles away from Saginaw and I'm driving down the regular streets over a hundred miles an hour with my hazards lights on I finally hit M13 hit 60, M16 uh, Highway 69 headed to East Lansing and normally it would take me 50 minutes but for some strange reason some mysterious reason uh, I'm doing over a hundred passing the state troopers they let me go by and it literally took me an hour and a half to get there. And I'm breaking every speed limit known to man. So when we get there, man, the, 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 the police are waiting for me and my wife in the parking lot. And I don't even think I put my car in park. We just jumped out the car and we ran into the emergency room. And Kevin had to be 25 nurses, 20-something doctors in there working on it. And uh, and when I walked in, I I just I just fell to my knees and uh, immediately started praying. So they worked on me for about an hour and a half, and they got his blood pressure, heart rate back up to normal. So they sent him up to kids ICU upstairs. So it's around probably one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, in the uh, the lights started beeping, started flashing, and uh, 
think it's blue alert. I can't, I, I think that's what it's called. And uh, my wife was about to run in there. My wife grabbed, grabbed me by my hand and she said, Lou Dorian left here a long time ago. I just didn't want to tell you. And uh, so I, I walked in. Excuse me. It's okay, Lou. So I walked in. There's just some man there. I stayed with him for about three hours. I'm still hugging him. And finally, my parents got there along with my pastor, Pastor Manny. And we said a prayer. Coach Izzo was in there with me. Draymond was in there with me. That was the worst day of my life. You know, because initially I had thought somebody had poisoning. Because he ran track. May have been a better football player than basketball. Uh, somebody had harmed you. And uh, so we drove back to my brother's house. And when we got there, uh, I sat on the chair. As soon as we got there, the doorbell ring, rung. And uh, my wife walked to the door. She said, Louis, the police. And uh, she opened up the door. And she said, the police officer said, uh, I just wanted to stop by to let you know that uh, Doring will be all right. And she turned around to look back at me. And she turned back around in the lights, the car, and the police was gone instantly. And, wow. uh, you know, it's a true story. That was, that was the angel letting us know that, uh, that he was okay. You know, uh, so two days later, uh, we drive back to meet the doctor that they worked on him because they had did the autopsy. And uh, when he looked at us, he, he just initially, he initially started crying. He said, Mr. and Ms. Dawkins, uh, he said, I knew something that Dorian had something tragic. If I couldn't, if I couldn't save him, he was one of the best surgeons, heart surgeons in the Midwest. <coughs> so he was died. <coughs> He was diagnosed with mitochondrial ischemia in which both his arteries is joined on the right side of his heart. And with him exerting himself, uh, the doctor said it shut him off like a light switch. Uh, so he fell into a category of 0.000 of hundreds of thousands. That's a rare case for a kid or anyone to have that. And he just, was the was the came out on the wrong side of it, <laughs> Lou? What uh, I can only imagine too, what your feelings would be moving forward with your with the other bla uh, basketball playing children, right? Um, with the idea that maybe they could have something similar. Oh, it, it was scary. Uh, we actually got them tested. Uh, Probably two days after we left the uh, 
doctor's office in East Lansing. And, uh, you know, my daughter, Haley, I, I have another older son named Mario as well. Uh, not, not by my wife, not by marriage. I had him when I was in high school. I had to get him checked out. Did not my, did my son Christian, uh, because it was unknown, uh, I wasn't going to let either one of them do anything, touch the floor, play anything until we actually found out what was going on uh, because uh, it was an unknown. Mm-hmm. And they, they were terrified as well. And uh, so when everything came back normal, uh, that was that was a big elephant off, off of both me and my wife's chest. Uh because Dory was one, he was one of the top athletes in the country, and for him to to fall down and collapse like that, and my pastor told me he was like, "Lou, reason why it took you guys so long to get there." He said, "God, it wasn't meant for you guys to be there and see that." Uh, he said, "Because if you would have saw it, you probably wouldn't be here today." And because uh, my son Christian uh, was there, he witnessed everything. Uh, the story that Christian told me <clears throat> that he was actually sitting on the bench and Dorian was at the free throw line and Dorian, Dorian called Christian brother then calling nothing else but brother. Mm-hmm. So he looked at him, he said, brother, he said, man, I'm, I'm so tired. And Christian said, man, uh, he said, what's wrong? He said, two seconds later, his eyes rolled in the back of his head and he just collapsed and fell to the ground. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think a little bit, and and I don't want to get into great detail about it, um, Lou, but um, I gotta think maybe some of the issues that that Christian had, you know, seven eight years mm-hmm. later, um, obviously might have had something to do with seeing that happen to his to his brother, and I and and I'm just wondering also with for you with what happened with Christian. Um, back in the mid 2010s after you went yes. through what you went through with Dorian. And now all of a sudden you've got this big issue now with, with Christian and this FBI investigation. Um, what did that do to your faith again? Well, it, uh, it, it, it killed me cause, uh, you know, actually when it happened, the day that it happened, I was heading to Michigan. I was coaching at Cleveland State University with Coach Dennis Felton. And I was I was en route to, uh, to Michigan to recruit. And so it may have been around probably 10 or 11 a.m. And Coach Felton sends me a uh, – uh, no, Coach Felton's call. He calls me. And uh, he said, Lou, I'm sorry to hear about Christian. And I'm, I'm like, what? You know, because I know Christian used to fly, you know, fly almost five times a week, traveling here and there. I said, Coach, what happened? You know, there a plane crash or something? He's like, Lou, you don't know? I said, I said, Coach, I've, I've been driving since since seven o'clock this morning. I'm heading to Michigan, and uh, so he sent me an article. I pulled over and I read the article, and uh, when I started reading the article, and I saw the other player's name. In the article, Brian Bowen, which he's actually from Saginaw, Michigan, 
actually the same age as Christian. And went to, they went to daycare together. And I was like, well, this is all a big, big old, big old lie because the first rule the NCAA has is that if you have a prior relationship with a young man or a young lady, you can give that particular person any type of gifts you want. So, <coughs> so Christian uh, and Brian Bourne was your daycare buddies when they were little kids. So, so two days go by. I don't know if you watched the scheme or not, a documentary on HBO. Uh, but everything in there, Christian. Everything Chris was saying is the truth. Uh, we didn't hear from him for two days. Uh, they kept him locked up in Manhattan. Uh, so I'm thinking, which I didn't tell my wife, uh, that Christian was dead. Uh, because I know how money transaction works uh, as far as college recruits. I know how much money exchange hands. So my daughter called us. Later on that evening, she was a sophomore at Spelman College in Atlanta. And uh, she was like, Dad, she called us on a three-way conference call. She was like, Dad, Mom, we got I got Christian on the phone, and he was terrified. He was scared to death. I was just happy to hear his voice. And, uh, and then that may have been around 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and... Uh, then the lawyer, the court-appointed lawyer, got on the phone, and uh, we told her that we needed our son at home later that evening. She needed to do everything in her power to get him uh, released. And about an hour later, uh, they called us again, and uh, we actually flew him out on the on the last plane out of New York that night to Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, but it was a it was a stressful stressful time. I was thinking of the worst. Uh, you know, I did not know uh, actually all the details. Uh, I'm listening to ESPN talk about they're going to give him 100 years for giving some black kids money from that, giving kids money that he's going to get 100 years in prison. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. You know, so when the media actually found, put two and two together, and they found out who I was, and that was Christian's father. I could barely walk out my house, so, you know, media was in front of my house. Uh, uh, you know, my AD looking at me like, uh, like, like I've done something, you know, at Cleveland State. And, uh, but it, it was, it was just, it, it was it was really really tough for for my family during that period. I got to ask you about coming back to Muskogee. Um, just completed your first year as head coach uh, for the Rougher Boys basketball team, and that's where you and I connected as as we uh, carried your uh, one of your regional games uh, on the Sports Animal, and I was uh, on the call of that game. Um, so year two coming up this next season. Um, I know that from a physical standpoint, uh, you and I have talked and your return to Oklahoma hasn't been as good as it was all those years ago when you came to school here from a health standpoint that 
allergies are just, you know, kicking your tail a little bit. Um, so I'm hoping that your future here in Muskogee is going to be a long one and you're going to be able to to get over uh, the uh, allergy issues that, that have really been bothering you. And, and, and I mean, to the point where, you know, having to go to the hospital to get treated. Uh, but I know that you... Um, your family has landed there in Muskogee, and you're doing well. And I'm grateful also uh, to know that Christian is doing well now, too. And it uh, seems like, right, uh, Lou Dawkins, that that family life has is, is, uh, kind of settled in a little bit here. Well, yes, indeed. Uh, but allergies are kicking my butt, man. I, <laughs> uh, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I was start reminiscing. Uh, when I was in Michigan, didn't have any problems at all. So when I actually got to TU from eighty nine ninety four, you know, I was having sinus problems, but I really wasn't thinking about it because I was a teenager. I was in college. You know, I was playing basketball. I was doing something that I love. And so when I went back to Michigan in 96, didn't have any problems at all. And when I left Michigan, resigned and started off my college career in 2011, uh, was at Northern Illinois in DeKalb, Illinois, about 50 miles west of Chicago. Uh, that's school was built around nothing but corn and crops. I started experiencing uh, sinus problems. Didn't think of nothing. Of Didn't think of it. So in 2000, I think 2007 or 8, we go to Cleveland, Ohio, back to the north. I'm fine. We come here four years ago. And as soon as I arrived, I started getting sick. Started getting sick. Mm-hmm. And but kept building up, building up. So uh, this past summer is when it really started kicking my butt. Going to the doctor, going to the hospital. Uh, the one episode it hit me, Kevin, in which I actually went to the hospital here in Muskogee. Stayed in the... Uh, <clears throat> Stayed in the uh, emergency room for about 10 hours. No one saw me. Next day, I go home. There were so many people in there. It was just so busy. I couldn't believe it. I drove myself to, uh, the next morning, I drove myself to St. Francis in Tulsa. Got there around 9 o'clock in the morning. It's 9 o'clock at night. They still hadn't saw me. There were so many people. I think it was the time to, Little children was getting getting hit with the with the uh, with that <coughs> with that virus. Excuse me. So this lady gets up. She goes to the reception. She was like, "Excuse me, I've been here since eight o'clock this morning, and I still haven't seen a doctor." And I knew if she hadn't saw the doctor, I was probably two hours behind her. I wasn't gonna be able to see the doctor. So I drove myself back home. I was actually going to go, uh, when I made it back home that evening, I told my wife to call the ambulance. And my youngest son, Elijah, heard me say that, and he, he started freaking out. So I made it through the night until he got ready to go to school that morning. Ambulance come pick me up around eight thirty nine o'clock, drive me to St. John's on Utica. And uh, I believe when I made it, made it in there, <coughs> my breathing was at, Eight percent, and I was. They they immediately admitted me. Uh uh-uh. uh 
Well, Mr. Dobbs, are you are you a smoker? Never smoked in my life. Are you, are you? Do you have asthma? Never had asthma. They couldn't find out what was going on. I stayed in there a week. Until this day, right now, I'm still struggling. Uh, it cuts out my 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 breaths mm-hmm. every so often. Uh, <clears throat> so since June, I've been on antibiotics and steroids, probably probably 12, 13 times since last June. And uh, so now, <clears throat> man, my wife's trying to get me set up at the Mayo Clinic in, in Minnesota to see if they can help. But if they can't, man, I can't. I can't keep going through this. Yeah. You know, it, it's a struggle. Well, Lou, I want to, uh, before I let you go, I, I wanted to ask you, um, what would you tell, because you've been through so much. I mean, you, you've had a lot of highs, uh, too, but you've you've had some lowest of the lows. Um, when someone has a struggle in their life, uh, is there a scripture that, that you gravitate towards, or, or what would you tell somebody else who may be going through some of the things you've gone through? Man, I would just say, you know, <clears throat> Try to keep your faith. It was difficult for me. Uh, you know, I think I missed that entire year going back to church after my son passed. Uh, my pastor was, you know, calling me, trying to drag me back into church, but I was just, I was just hurt mentally, physically. My faith was destroyed uh, uh, because I. Uh, you know, you, you when you try to do everything in your life as parents or as kids, children, and you have something that's tragic hit you out of nowhere, uh, and it just kept jabbing you. Uh, you know, you just got to keep believing that you can do all things through Christ, uh, Amen. and just believe, and just believe. Uh, Cause you know, as a parent, you shouldn't. Your children should be burying you mm-hmm. uh, when you're old mother, old old father. Uh, you shouldn't be burying your children, especially at 14 years old. And for uh, uh, and because he fell into a, a category of zero point zero zero hundred thousand. Uh, well, it was tough, man. So. Uh, I just kept believing my wife. Just kept believing in my my wife is the strongest person uh, in the world. Uh, you know, she. I think she knew if I saw her fall, that I was going to fall. So she kept her mentality. I uh, I never saw her cry uh, during that during that period with Dorian, uh, especially at, at the funeral. Uh, I just love her to death. Uh, you just got to keep fighting and uh, just keep believing because, you know, you don't, one thing that it taught me, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm-hmm. So, so families, so people, especially parents, uh, if your kids tell you something, uh, believe it. Cause I didn't tell you this, but Kevin, a few days before, uh, Dorian passed. My wife uh, told me after he had passed, but she was in the mirror uh, brushing, combing her hair. <clears throat> and she said,
said, "Do Dee Dee came to the into the door doorway of her bedroom of our bedroom and said, "Mommy, if I was to die, would you miss me?" And she was like, "Yeah, baby." She said, "We all would miss you." And he came back and said, "Well, mommy, I will be in be in heaven uh, with all the angels and every everybody." He wow. said, "But we were still." but we would still miss you down here. I truly believe he had already saw the light that God had touched him. And he knew that he would be leaving us pretty soon. So parents, I would say your parents don't think your kids are lying to you. Believe them. Uh, uh, someone is touching them. Believe them. Uh, just just believe them because they know more than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see more. They see more than we do, and uh, and just 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 believe them because it, it's tough. It's still tough today, you know. And, and let me backtrack. After our daughter was born, uh, I can't remember what year she was born, but I immediately. Uh, had a vasectomy. So when Dorian passed, my wife was just, we were in so much pain. We were just looking for something to ease, for something to ease the pain. So we started reversal. Uh, the state of Michigan, uh, reversal was twenty twenty five thousand insurance didn't cover it. So we got on the internet. True story. God works in mysterious ways. Uh, me and my wife had Christian when uh, we were in college. The same doctor that delivered Christian in Muskogee was given reversals for $2,500. Uh, but you had to pay for it right then and there. So we had just buried Dorian. We had tapped out everything. So we found some dollars. Uh, plane ticket, I flew out two days later. My father-in-law picks me up from the airport, and he takes me to the doctor that delivered Christian. And uh, in 2015, uh, we were blessed with our youngest son, Elijah Legacy Dawkins, and we named him his middle name Legacy in honor of his brother, Dorian. And Kevin, I can say he's the spitting image, <laughs> reincarnation of Dorian. Uh, on the basketball court, on the football court, he can do it all. Academically, he's one of the best kids in his class, and he goes to the gifted and talented school here in Muskogee Sadler Arts Arts and Academy, and uh, he's one of the top kids academically in the school. But when you see him on the basketball court and football field, he's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I, and I just really think that, and I, I don't know, I don't think anymore. I know God gave. Dorian back to us through him. That's awesome. Lou, thank you so much for your time and for your story and for your faith. And uh, before I let you go, is there a way, um, social media that people can, can follow you, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I am on no Facebook, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, <coughs> I don't, and maybe you can just punch my name. I don't even know my hand what my handle name is. Okay. Uh, but I'm not a big social media person. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, 
you know, people put a lot of their business on social media that people should, other people should know. You know, I try to just contend to myself, but I am on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. My thanks to Lou Dawkins for sharing his story. Lou just ended his first year as the head coach of the Muskogee High School Boys basketball team and has vowed to bring the Ruffers their first ever state title before he's done. We wish him the best. If you want to hear more stories like this, just go to the website, suitup611.com. But when the enemy comes, no, I'm not going to run. I'm going to suit up, get tough, put on the armor of